Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change. As you listen to our celebration of women during the month of March, you probably noticed a new voice on the program. That's Kizzy Joza. She's my sister, friend, that daughter from another mother that, you know, I'm so fortunate to have come into my life. She's a mama, healer, educator, children's wellness coach at Mama Goddess Rising. She's also not new to radio. She used to host her own show. Kizzy, I want to officially welcome you and introduce you to our listeners. Thank you so much for having me on board, Michelle. I'm really happy and honored to be on a platform dedicated to those making social change and collective healing for all, especially for marginalized groups. As Michelle mentioned, I'm a healer, specifically a Reiki practitioner and intuitive reader. I'm also an inspiring parent and children's wellness coach. Well, Kizzy, again, welcome. I'm really happy to have you as a voice of collections. This week, we're going to be talking to a member of my sister circle, Kim Ford. She has over 20 years experience working in grassroots, community-based, and national nonprofit organizations. She's based in New York, and her work has been intergenerational, crossing boundaries, and, and it's really been pioneering. As a health wellness advocate and transformational coach, she uses her journey to assist and motivate others to find body and soul balance. Kim believes that we already have everything we need to get to live life with power, purpose, clarity, and intention. You know, Kizzy, as so many of us are facing the challenges of isolation due to the COVID-19 epidemic, I think Kim will share how this can be a time to reset and find our own unique journeys and paths filled with dreams and visions of the lives we want to live. Kim, welcome back to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you today? I'm doing okay. <laughs> today, and, and today was not one of my better days. It was, you know, it's so funny because all the things that, that you do to keep yourself um, positive and help for other people. And then you have those days where you just need to let all of this stuff out. Yeah. You know, so well, you I'm know, really I thankful thought, for this. Well, I'm glad to have you, you know, and that's part of, of why I thought it would be really, really good because, first of all, we have this this period of being, like, isolated, okay? Mm-hmm. And and every time, you know, I mean, you turn on, you, you on the news, you hear this, 
this stuff which really sounds, you know, I mean, it's like it can, like, bring you down, and you can have friends and family who are sick. You hear about people sick. And I know that, you know, when we talked, actually it was a little over a year ago, and we talked a lot about what you're doing. And one of the things that, that may, I kept coming back to is how, like on your page, how you say how we believe we have everything we need to live life with power, purpose, clarity, and intention. And I think that mm-hmm. sometimes when you're stuck there in the house, <laughs> you're stuck there in the house, you, you can't go to work, you don't know when you're going to go go back to work, will there be a work, you know, some of us are, you know, I know Kizzy has Kizzy has um, a baby, but I know uh, I have a friend who is homeschooling six children. I mean, you know, and mm. like, you know, do we have everything? But we do, and there's other ways of, of of things to look at and how we sort of look at where we're at and think about the power that we still have and. And, you know, maybe use this time to get some clarity on things and to how, how to do it. One of the things is, you know, I will admit, I've developed a close personal relationship with Doritos Cool Ranch and guacamole. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a flavor combination. Let me try. <laughs> I know. Oh. And, and my couch. <laughs> 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 And the other day I said, you know, this is just ridiculous. Get up and move. And mm. that, that's part of what what you, when we talked last, that's one of the things that you talk about is like getting up and moving. How mm-hmm. important is that? That's it, That's so very important. Um, and to me, and I'm I'm as convinced, convinced I guess even more now, um, as we are isolated and confined and. Some of us are with family, and some of us are alone. So it's important to have some kind of movement. It connects you back to who you are. It connects you back to your body so that you know that you are here. Because it's, it, we can, you know, and not to say we don't need those times to just let it out, to cry, to let things go, because we do, and that's healthy. But we also need whatever that movement is to reconnect to life. And that's what it that's what it does for me. Not to mention the um and we the hormones, the endorphins that are released in your body when you do something uh movement that brings you joy, that makes you happy and it can be dancing, whatever it might be, but that is um, for uh, about 30 minutes, 20 30 minutes with enough intensity for you to break a, a small sweat and you don't have to jump up and down like I said you can dance. But something that when you're done, you feel accomplished, like you did something, and you reconnected to uh, the core of who you are. It has mm-hmm. to be something that makes you happy, that even when you don't feel like it, because we don't, I, I don't always feel like working out, but I always, I'm always better when I'm done. Always. Mm-hmm. Never fails. Mm-hmm. Wow. What um, motivated your fitness journey or rather your wellness journey, Kim? Well, it's something that uh, working out is something I've done off and on um, even, I think, from uh, from like late teens. And I've done it off and on at different times because I liked the way it felt. I liked the way my body felt. 
It wasn't so much about what it looked like. It was more about what I, how I felt um, about being, feeling my power and being strong um, in myself. And there are some other connections that I've made in terms of um, dealing with trauma in my life and being disconnected. So it was a way for me to reconnect. In terms of fitness, health and fitness, I, there was a benefit of being stronger, being able to, to uh, move the way I wanted to move, um, simple things like, and not thinking about it, but it became more important as I got older, like, oh, wait, I can get something from the top of the shelf. I can reach up for it. I can get something from a lower cupboard. Mm-hmm. I can squat down and get it out. You know, it's things you don't think about. Like if you have small children around, you think about it because maybe you can't reach, you know, whether it's your child or your grandchild, niece and nephew, you know, being able to, to hang out with them when they're on the floor. Mm-hmm. That's when it really starts, like, oh, no, this has to be a much more routine part of my life and not a hit or miss when I have the time or I do a program for six weeks and then I'm done. You know, like, get, like mm-hmm. we do this, like, we get ready for the summer and then the summer comes and then we go all through the winter, right? But this had to be, yeah. has to be something ongoing. And I think the biggest turnaround for me was um, going to work, and, and I'm in the Bronx, and there's an elevated train nearby, and so you have to, and remembering, like taking it for granted, running up all those stairs, and that was a lot of stairs, because you get to the token booth level, that's two flights, and then another flight up to the actual train level, mm-hmm. and how I used to hear the train coming, like be like a half a block away. I used to hear the train coming back when you could hear the train really coming. And I used to fly up the stairs and make the train with no problem. That was becoming hard and harder and harder. And I was getting winded more and more. Mm-hmm. And when I got to the top of the stairs and it was, it was hurting to breathe mm-hmm. and I wasn't mm-hmm. even running, I, you know, I had gained weight. I'm like, I have to make a difference. I have to do something different. I have to take mm-hmm. control of of myself, my health, for myself, not for anybody else. And that's when, it's when I made that decision that movement has to be a part of what I do every day, some kind of movement. I saw the changes even from, there's a track nearby, even from going to the track and walking around. So it can be whatever, whatever kind of movement, however you're able to move. So that's, that was the first change. The, the next was finding, connecting to, to the core of myself, um, doing yoga, being still, but also having to pay attention to where my body was in space, which is not something we do. Right? We, we, don't, we have an awareness sometimes of people around us, but we're not always aware of the, how we move in space, how we take up space or not. So I became, yoga helped me be aware of where I am in space, in my space at all times. And that along with, okay, I need to do, I need to have this cardio going. I need to have the strength training going. I needed this other part, not just about stretching, but about that inner connection so that I'm much more mindful. And actually all of this became the easier part. The nutrition is still the hardest part. It's the, it's the biggest part, and it's still the hardest. Mm-hmm. So I, I hear, I, you know, I can sit on the couch and eat chips too. I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say I don't do it. I've done it. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I, I eat meat. I'm not a vegetarian. 
Um, but it's thinking about being mindful about what I eat and creating, being able to create an eating plan for myself. And more so since finding out that I was pre-diabetic, that I am pre-diabetic and have high cholesterol, it all started like in my late 50s, you know, after menopause, all this all popped up. So some of this is hereditary as well as lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So being on medication but having to have some control, so what does that mean? So now I, so I did see a nutritionist who helped me figure out what eating looks like, not, and not just from column A and column B and column C, because then I don't know how to put a meal together, right? I don't know what a meal looks like. You know, I've done different things where, yes, I can count points, but it didn't teach me how to put a meal together. So I needed something where I could feel empowered in how I was eating, not just what, but how. So that became another part of um, my journey. And it's still, it's, it, it's, I always need to fine-tune it and tweak it, and I go off the rails because I'm human, but then I give myself grace and know that I can always start again. You know, Kim, as I was listening to you and listening to other things, and, you know, as you listen to, to the news, okay, many in our community, communities of color, especially black people, okay, and that's why I thought that this was an important thing to talk about. It's like many of us are diabetic. Many of us have many of the conditions, which, I mean, I know that I am older, okay, we might not have the right diet, but many of us have these conditions which they say make us more vulnerable to this virus. I know that here in Detroit, like in the heart of the city where you have, I mean, like you said, poor nutrition, um, a lot of diabetes, a lot of everything, obesity, you know, high high blood pressure, all of these things, and now it's like really spiking in Detroit. Like they said that if you went by per capita, Detroit with its size and compared it to New York, that Detroit is right up there with New York, even though it's the smallest city. Mm. And, you know, and, and mm. so you see that many people, particularly if you weren't that active now, before, it's like, don't just tell me to go get tested. What should I be doing? And one of the things yeah. is something simple, like exercising, which you probably should have been doing, but now it's almost like, you know, how do I make myself stronger? Mhm. Mhm. All of that all of that is 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 true. And um like I haven't been to Detroit, but I think it's true of a lot of our communities when we talk about these food deserts is we ha- didn't have access. Um and yes, it it's true we have food deserts in New York and to get to some place where the food is where you can get nutritious food, maybe your supermarket has it, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it has some things um, but we, we know we can't, we're not all going to Whole Foods. We are not all going to Trader Joe's. We do have, mm-hmm. there's an Aldi not that far from me now where a lot of people go and they're able to get food that they can afford. But we also have a high number of fast food restaurants. And I don't mean like the McDonald's and the Burger King's only. I'm talking about the fried chicken places. Yeah. An inordinate amount of fried chicken places. And we go in, we come home from work, we're tired, we're hungry, 
we, you know, maybe we had a good lunch, maybe we didn't, but we've got, we haven't had anything since lunch, and that's where we stop because it's fast, it's quick, and it's going to give me a, a certain taste because we know we can make better fried chicken at home, but it's time, right? So, And we don't have our restaurants, in a, especially here in New York, like we used to, or if they serve the traditional food, quote-unquote traditional, you can get candy yams that are dripping in sugar syrup. The greens, you're like, okay, I'm going to have the greens. How much oil is in it? What kind of oil? Do they put sugar in it? You don't know this. So mm-hmm. even when you go for for something healthier, you're not sure what's in it. The um, One of the blessings in my neighborhood is to have a Jamaican place where the food is healthier. Some things might have oil on it, but they have made it, they've made a conscious effort to serve healthier food. But we might shortcut it and not go there because it seems like we're paying a lot there and we'll go to the chicken place. So it's what's in front of us, what's offered to us on our, as we walk around, as we move. What's the easiest thing for us to get? We have parents who are, we know they're on public assistance and they are trying to get healthy food. If they have WIC, they might have, they might have a chance for their kids, might, because some of the food stuff on WIC is not the best. But they, have a, they might have a better chance than someone without young children. But we don't know how to do this. If we're, sent, if we're diagnosed with diabetes, we get sent to a diabetes educator who, doesn't nece- who hasn't necessarily studied nutrition the way a nutritionist does, but they can tell you what to eat, what, how to, what, uh, what changes you can make, what's portion size, but the, how do you practice it now? What's your next step? How do you practice it? Mm-hmm. And that's another piece that's missing um, in nutrition. Community centers, now I've been, I've been um, lucky enough, even though it's not happening now, to teach group fitness for free in my neighborhood. And I love doing it. And I have to say, <clears throat> excuse me, that there are the women who come. I have my diehard crew, even though we're all apart right now, um, through, it's through Shape Up NYC, this through the Parks Department. So I trained for six months through them. Then I interned at this place six months, and then I decided to stay. And I met women who are making changes, who have made changes in their life, and they're doing their best to continue it. And the center is there to help them. Sometimes they bring in um, nutri- people to do nutrition programs. But see, knowing now that there are places for free through the Parks Department, where you can work out and whatever your schedule, whatever type of workout you want to do. It's there. I didn't know how far reaching this was. So Hmm. how do we get this word out in New York? And I don't know if this is replicated in other cities that there are spaces, (coughs) excuse me, I'm sorry. There are spaces where you can come together in community, work out together and really have those conversations, informal conversations about food because that's what we do. We talk about we talk about food. I, that's how I found out what was in the Aldi's because I'd been there and they're like, no, this is when you need, these are the women telling me where I could, you know, to go to the Aldi's to get certain things. So I truly believe that we can do this for ourselves. We have to be open to where the knowledge is going to come from and listen to folks in the community for what they what they have to say and what their needs are. Now you said how you've been on programs and like, and that, that's the other thing. 
you go to a program and they give you these lists of things that you eat, but some, like you said, some things just don't taste, you know, uh, culturally, <laughs> are different for communities of color. You know, you can look at this and I'm going to go like, yeah, okay, right, where am I going to get this? And I know that there are challenges, and I know, like you said, you eat meat. I know, Kizzy, you're a vegetarian. And, um, but there's those challenges of finding these things. And what do we do as resources to find? I mean, because, yeah, I mean, I can buy a bunch of, of things, but how do you put it together as a meal that you'll want to eat and somebody else will want to eat too? I think that's, and that's the hardest part which is why I was lucky enough to find a nutritionist. I was lucky enough, like, I I know I have a computer. I could Google. I can research. I can find this information out. Um, so it's how to, how do you provide this for, because I'm not a nutritionist, um, but I can help point people to resources. Unfortunately, and I'm going to, and I really mean this, unfortunately, it's online more people have phones than have computers in our communities. So it, it's getting them to look this up on their phone. And, you know, there's limitations on the phone, right, what you can see. How much, how much data can you go online? When can you go online? So there are limitations. So things need, sometimes things need to be in person. Um, one of the things that I was planning to do, and, and I'm going to have to, I don't know when it's going to happen, happen, was to start, um, what's called a fit club, and have folks come in, try some workouts with me, but also share some some knowledge, some information, have people come in, talk about nutrition, make this open to the community to get not just the workout, but also get ideas about nutrition, um, you know, and see what else I can do. Like maybe these are my ideas to do a shopping trip in a local supermarket um, just to find out what you can buy and then share ideas and recipes because I still believe the knowledge is there. We just don't know what the other person does. What's, what's fast? Nothing's going to be as fast as you go in and picking up some fast food and you get in the house and you can eat it right away. Unless you're standing in line, like in Caribbean places, you'll stand in line for 30 minutes. You could have made something in 30 minutes. Same, that's right. But because these things are so fast, you're in and out, it, it's not going to. It's not going to be that same thing. But there is the, the the part about planning, and thinking about if you put something in the freezer, can you take it out in the morning? Can you thaw it out in the refrigerator the night before so it's ready to go? What can you do? Now, yes, it's cheaper to buy a whole chicken than to buy the chicken breast. Can you buy the whole chicken, take one day out of the week, and cut it up and separate it and freeze it, season it and freeze it? So these are things that may take more time in the prep, but it won't take as much time in cooking. It does mean shifting how we do things. And that sometimes, you know, folks, getting folks to say, okay, I can do this. I know people do this. I, that's how I grew up. So I know people still do it. We took meat out the freezer. Mm-hmm. thawed it out, and cooked it that night. There wasn't anything, so it wasn't about fast food. How do we get back to that? How do we, and then reprogramming our taste buds. Like what can we use mm-hmm. to, to season the food with that will give us a good flavor? It might not, let's not fool ourselves and say it's going to taste the same. So when, we won't set ourselves up for that. 
but it can still have a good taste. And when you want the candied yams, because you've been doing this, the, your greens another way, you go ahead and have your collard greens and candy yams the way you want once in a while. So you don't miss it. I'm not saying never have it, but you can find that balance, and everybody's balance is different. So how do we continue to support each other in finding those balances? That's such a great point you made, especially... You know, I think about people's misconceptions about vegetarianism, for instance, and they think like, oh, my God, what am I going to eat? I can't eat meats. Like, I'm going to eat kale the whole time. And um, <laughs> your point just made me think that, wow, like nutrition isn't culturally re- uh, relevant at all. And, you know, there needs to be more information about how can we kind of incorporate our ethnic dishes, but in a more healthier manner. It is true, true. I mean, I still don't cook when greens. I cook on the holidays. I don't make a big pot of greens all the time. But I still, I use smoked turkey. Mm. Um, and because turkey doesn't have a lot of fat in it, I put some olive oil in it. I still put vinegar mm. in it and season it and crush red pepper, but it's smoked turkey as opposed to smoked pork. It's still smoked. It still has that salt. And so mm-hmm. I, that means I don't have to put all the salt in it. I can, you know, adjust so I can still get the smoky flavor. And because I'm putting olive oil, you know, and you use the oil that works best for you. I happen to use olive oil to make up for the fat that you're not going to have. But it's a healthier oil. I choose a healthier oil to make up for that difference. And you still mm-hmm. get cook them down like you always do. They don't don't they don't have to be crunchy. We don't want any crunchy greens over here when we're trying to do that. No, no, no. Say that for the salad. You know, you've gone into some fancy restaurant and they say, here's your collard greens, and you're like crunching away, like what happened? So, you know, so, right, right? So Mm -hmm. it's when and where and how. And if you can, I mean, I have an air fryer that um, I got from a friend. They were moving. They didn't eat it. And I did some chicken wings in it. It's too small to really do it, to do many, but it was great. I didn't have to, this way I didn't have to do the oven fried with the flour and all. I put, just seasoned it. It gave me exactly Mm -hmm. what I wanted. So it's also identifying what is the flavor or the taste that you're trying to get that you want from whatever it is you, and see what you can do to satisfy that. It takes time. It takes time. We didn't always. We've got Caribbean cooking, all kinds, you know, English-speaking, Spanish-speaking, that are more plant-based, rice and beans, rice and beans. Now, we do have to worry about the rice, but we can have the beans. But if we're making, if we're making soups, what do we put in our soups and stews? What do we put in our – what's so different? It, it really isn't. It's actually healthy ingredients that go in there. It really is. We forget that, though. Mm-hmm. We think I, we really have think that our ethnic food is the fried chicken, the ham hocks, you know, and and the red velvet cake. Okay, yes, that we you can't substitute red velvet cake. <laughs> no, that's no, real. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm there's a there's a bakery here that I yes I will don't touch my red velvet cake, right? But mm-hmm. I don't eat as much cake. I find myself eating pie more. Is pie healthier? In my head. Because it's fruit-based. It, but it's still, it, maybe it isn't. I don't think, but, you know, it works for me. But it's thinking about what 
what is the taste, what is the flavor. It's understanding, it's learning to understand your cravings. Do I want something salty? Do I want something sweet? What is it about the salt or the sweet? If it's about carbs, is it about the pasta, the potatoes, the bread, or is it about fruit? What is it that your that my body is telling me when I crave certain things? It takes time and it takes support. And I, you know, that's part of that's something else that I want to introduce and knowing that I'm not a nutritionist, I don't want to tell people this is what you do and how it works. But paying attention. When you start paying attention to how you move physically and you start feeling better about yourself and the space you take up and feeling confident, many times the next step becomes what am I putting in my mouth? How am I feeding myself? Oh, I notice that when I have this for breakfast, I feel much more energized than when I have that. You start paying attention to your body's response, which many of us, which we have not, we haven't done, we haven't been given the space to do, we haven't been given the time to do, to pay attention to what we want and need. If you start, for me, you start with the movement, that time for yourself. Nobody else. Nobody can do that for you. It's not something anybody can do for you. You start giving yourself that time and space, and you start saying, oh, I can do more. What else can I do for myself? Because it makes me feel good. Well, we're going to take our first break here. And when we come back, I want to talk a lot about health, more a little bit more about health and how we incorporate that into our lives. So we'll be right back. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. back here on Collections by Michelle Brown, and we're talking with Kim Ford. You know, Kim, one of the things that, you know, we don't think about, we don't incorporate health into our daily lives. We're worried about getting to work, getting the kids here. Like you said, what can I grab real quick so that I can eat? If I'm going to park, I want the closest place to the door to park so I can just dash in. And we don't think about it. Where now that everything is sort of like ground to a halt, it gives us an opportunity to reset. How how can as, as you're sitting there looking at home, what can you look around and do to think about getting health, getting movement into your life that you might start now, and then carry on even after things get back to whatever the new normal is going to be. Mm-hmm. I like when you said the new normal is going to be because one of the things that irks me is when people say now this is the new normal. I'm like, this is not, don't, this is not normal. Mm-hmm. We will have a new normal eventually, but it's not now. 
Right. So, and I'm glad you said that um, because this is where it becomes even more important that you have that time for yourself. And I know there are folks, you know, when you're homeschooling or trying to homeschool, a lot of uh, all your kids and trying to work, if you're lucky enough to work from home, if you're lucky enough to have a job, you're trying to figure this out. Uh, or you're not. And it doesn't matter at the end of the day. You do what you need to do for yourself and for your children. It's finding, as we're off schedule and we don't know, we don't know what day of the week it is anymore, it becomes even more important that we take this time for ourselves. Well, I've been out a few times to the supermarket. Some things are just gone from the shelves. There's no toilet paper or paper towels. That's just the reality. I found that I can go to the local corner store of the bodegas and they might have some. There's no bleach. So there's certain things that aren't there. So just like we have to be mindful of washing our hands, we can, can we now have to be mindful of what we're eating, what we're getting. Um, so it was about finding that, that moment, that, that moment for yourself. Yes. Yes, finding a moment for yourself. And I so guess, let, when, go, ahead, go, ahead, go ahead. I want you to finish your thought. So, so I was saying to let, when you let everything go, that stress, that tension, when you have that time to sit and release, breathe in the love, the light, the positive. I know it sounds corny, but just say that to yourself and breathe out. Like, I release the negative. I let it go. It does not have me. It does not hold me. And then do some movement. Um, put some music on. Dance around. Plug into your joy. Plug into what makes you happy. Dance around Dance around with the kids. That always used to make me happy with my niece and nephew when they were little is to dance with them. Whatever it is. If it's, if it's dancing, if it's walking, if it's a... a structured workout, whatever it is, get your mood up, get those endorphins going, and that's how you go into the day. Well, you know, And you can think about, I'm sorry, go ahead, I'm done. You know, no, you know, I had to think about that because, you know, I do live by myself, and I've had far too much time by myself, and I mean, and that's when, after a certain point, I hear you because it was sort of like, I was thinking about the work I could do online, the this I could do and all like that, but not about that, that centering myself. And I found that once I, I sort of like, you know, this is just crazy. And then let me go outside and walk or do something like that, that my mood changed. I started to feel better. And I know that there are, it, it ha- are other people who are yeah, like that. You know? Mm-hmm. Especially now with this social distancing, and I know there are folks who have said, um, activists I know who said, because we still need to be social, we are being social, it's physical distancing. Mm-hmm. So whatever the, the language, the language is important, but it's what is important to you, right? So as you walk outside and you can't be close to anyone, you can still wave to people, you can still smile at people. Um, you can still, you know, say good morning. Those things reconnect us to our humanity, you know, especially like I'm, I'm not by myself, but it can still be isolating just the two of us here. So going out, just going to the store, and I don't want to do it all the time, but just being outside, like there is space, there's a park across the street, walking through that park, walking through the park brings me joy anyway, 
but walking through the park someplace where you can still see other people so you know you're not alone in the world. I've been reaching out to a lot to people by text one way or another, whether it's an actual text or on the phone or Facebook or Instagram, to just check in and see how people are doing. Just how are you? How are you doing right now? What's going on? Because this connection, we need this connection. If you can do a video chat of some kind, that's even more connection. My mother turned 85 on March 17th. We're planning a a nice gathering, family gathering for her that we were going to have catered. And that all went flew out the window. So we used FaceTime for my sisters and I to sing happy birthday and spend time together. And she loved it. She loved it. Because we could see each other and talk to each other, not just on the phone, but that visual connection. We need the visual connection as well. So if you get outside, you talk to your neighbor from across the way, you know, people, if you, if you can stick your head out the window and talk to your neighbor like we did back in the day, do that. If you're in an apartment building, if you're in a house, then it is, then you may have more opportunity to be outside, you know, to sit outside on the stoop or the porch and wave at people. These are human connections that we need to make because there's only so many days that we can sit in a, in a house or an apartment without it. I'm an introvert and I need it. Mm. I am missing teaching this class. It brought me so much joy. But you know what? I'm connected to the to my students and we still we text each other and we connect on Facebook. I've offered to, you know, um, a new friend and I work out in the morning now together via Zoom. So it's it's figuring this out again reaching out it may feel weird to reach out do a voice message Facebook lets you do Facebook Messenger lets you do voice messages some phones let you do voice messages in a text Instagram has voice messaging I mean, it's just about everywhere now almost everywhere do that let someone hear your voice you do whatever you can my wife Skyped her grandmother in Trinidad Someone else was there, I think, I'm pretty sure it was Skype. And, and the grandmother, um, how old is her grandmother? Maybe in her 80s as well. And she spoke to her, was able to see her. And it, you know, it, that made both of them, it did a lot for both of them. So it, it's important, part of it is when your mood changes, when you get outside and you walk, like you said, doesn't, and, and I'm so proud of you for doing that, Michelle, because that, it, it feels weird at first, but you do it and you notice your mood changes and now you're centered. You have more to share with other people. You can come back and do whatever it is you need to do with more focus. Mm. All of this is real. It's taking that first step. And, you know, it's like what you say, too. I mean, I'll start out and then when you see someone across the way, you're just going to like, like, good morning. And, you know, it, it is a way that it really sort of like lifts your spirit. But you see, like, sometimes people will look at you kind of funny, but then they'll go, good morning, you know. So it's kind of, like I said, you can look at it one way or the other, but I kind of look at it, it there's ways that it helps. It's, it's helping us get in touch with those things. Yeah, I'm not rubbing it up and hugging someone, but um, I met a neighbor, you know, long to, you know, across the parking lot where I said, hey, how you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm doing good. How about you? I mean, you know, and so now we see each other once a day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, we're we're all dealing with with we're all dealing with the same overarching stress. The stresses we have in our personal lives, and you know, are, that's one thing. And we always figure out. So we, you know, take the steps to figure out how to manage that and find time for ourselves. But we have this overarching lurking stress. And human, and to be told that we have to be disconnected to survive right now is scary. It's scary. And I think it's important that we acknowledge that fear. We don't run from it and act like it's not there because that's how stress stays in our bodies. But acknowledge that, you know, I, this is really, this is really hard for me right now. I talk to someone. It does, it, whether it's your therapist or a trusted friend that you know you can talk to, y'all can share that. Like, this is really hard for us right now. I know, it's hard for me too. Well, how are you coping? Well, I'm doing this. Well, that sounds like a great idea. What are you doing? You know, you can have those conversations over the phone. You can support each other. You can sit together over the phone. You can sit with each other. I find I've been breathing with people. One of my sisters who can internalize a crisis like nobody's business. <laughs> We've had, I've had to breathe with her. Oh, yes, she can, and she doesn't want anybody. She wants to bubble wrap everybody and keep everybody in the house. <laughs> or she stresses about it, so it's always, she's like, I'm on the ledge, and I have to, and it's reminding her she has the control, not the fear. Mm-hmm. When you have that movement and you become you have, are able to really breathe and moving helps you breathe. It helps you breathe from your diaphragm, not from your chest. You start to realize I have control over my body. I have control over something. This is what I have control over when everything feels out of control. It's so very important right now, I think, to find where you do have control. And you have control over how you eat. You may not have control over what you eat depending on where you live, what's available. But you have control on how. I'm not talking about like have breakfast at a certain time and lunch at a certain time. I'm not talking about anything regimented. The first is understanding, learning, and accepting that you have control. This is within your power. What populations do you work with as a um, transformation coach? Well, their ages range from folks in their 20s into their their 60s. Um, And it's having these conversations with people. Um, I think the biggest lesson learning for me is um, I'm breaking myself out of like, oh, I should know everything by now. Well, that's nobody ever knows everything, right? I should have, I should know what I need. There's always a learning. There's always a lesson. There's always some way for us to grow. And so that's what I do. I learn that and pass it on to my clients that your learning is important and there's no wrong way to learn. There is no one way to learn. And to learn more about yourself is to tap in deeply to yourself. And that can happen at any age. And I feel like every age we learn something else about ourselves that we didn't know. Mm. So I don't have an age limit. I will say that the women who come to uh, my fitness class are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. Yeah, I've got women in their 60s who come to my class. So 
it just knocks me out and it just makes me so happy. But it's, so I, it, I am, part of me feels like I'm coaching all the time. Um, in, in helping people think about what they can do and then making it happen, helping them make it happen. And then finding, having, they find that they have more power than they thought. They have the ability to make the change that they want to make. And they see that change, they feel that change, they experience it. And that's what, so it's a personal transformation. It's not this, you know, you know you're not going to transform your life. I, I mean, you can, but it ha- it's an internal transformation that happens. One of the things that you talk about it also is how, like, by making your food choices and choosing to do this, you're making an investment in yourself that I think that, you know, many of us don't think about of it that way. You know, it's just like, oh, I got to eat. But you're not thinking like, okay, well, as opposed to the fried chicken, as opposed to a, a having the salad makings and just put it together when you get home or, you know, cutting up the chicken so that you're baking it rather than frying it. We don't think of that as an investment. We just sort of think of like, this is, well, you, you got to eat. This is true. This is this is very true. We think we believe the investment is in what we do for ourselves externally, because that's what society has taught us. You want to invest? Buy a home. Yeah. You want to invest? You're in the stock market. You want to show that you're making it? You buy you buy a car. You buy clothes that that give you an image. And if you don't have your health at the end of the day, what is all that going to do for you? So it looks good when you go out, but what, how do you feel at the end of the day? That may give you a good feeling, but it's temporary. It is temporary. What the choices that you make, and I know everyone has different choices. So I, you know, it's, there's no, I don't want anybody to feel shamed because it's not about shaming people about you make bad choices. It's not about good and bad choices. It's about, understanding that you have options. What are your options? What are your options today? What are your options right now? What can I do for myself right now? What's going to make me feel good inside? And we are, our culture leaves that for other folks, not for us, to think about our feeling good. And as we fight to say, I deserve, to be an aspect, I deserve to feel good about myself and treat myself. Even the phrase, treat yourself, mm-hmm. that's all external. That's all external. What can you buy? But when you think about what is the investment that you make in yourself, we admire those women who, have, who live into their 80s, 90s, 100s, and when you talk to them, they ate simply, and they, they ate well, they ate simply. It was simple. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't about the house that they lived in. It wasn't about whether or not they had a car. It was how they found some peace for themselves and simple eating and really simple eating. It didn't have to be fancy. So sometimes to think back to the the folks in your family who have lived long. And if it's not your family history, then think about your ancestors who survived. Think about the folks who survived so you could be here. What was what was the sacrifice that they made so you could be here? And I don't mean to say that you have to make you have to sacrifice anything, but that's what I think about with 
so what road do I want to travel? What road do I want to go down? What's going to work for me in this moment? Is it going to be that I am feel I have these feelings that I don't want to deal with, these negative feelings, so I'm going to get this, I'm going to eat this or that or do this or that, and I'll feel good momentarily, but when I'm done, I don't feel any better. Or can I go for a walk, which will help me clear my head, help me think, and then when I get back, eat something that tastes really good, that really tastes good, and it's, it's the option. There's always an option. You don't always have a choice, and I know that, but it's your option. Well, we're going to take our second break here, and we'll be right back. I am talking with Kim Ford and Kizzy Joseph, and we're talking about wellness. We'll be right back. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. back here on Collections by Michelle Brown. You know, Kim, I always say there's no coincidences. This year was scheduled a conference, which is, of course, like everything else, is on hold. And um, the theme was revolutionary wellness. And um, as I look at where we're at now, it gives you an opportunity to reset and to think about that on so many levels that, you know, What are the environmental circumstances that might make us feel less than well? What are the stresses that we don't think about but impact our lives? How do you see that, you know, uh, using health and wellness, that we address this in a new way, a revolutionary way, so that we come out better, so that Fewer of us are at risk because of things that we could actively do something about, eating better, moving around, having that time to be centered and to give back to ourselves. Yeah, the, the conference, the theme was, was based on, so in thinking about where we are as a people and specifically um, black lesbians, and then my um, seeing that there are a lot of um, younger folks who were rediscovering holistic wellness. And when I say rediscovering, I don't mean the kind that, that's been sold to us. I mean the ones that our grandmothers practiced, yeah. that our great-grandmothers practiced, that there's been a reconnection. So what is, um, what's revolutionary about it? 
is we kind of got away from it. And so it comes back. I was also, one of the things that, um, one of the, the quotes was, is from, um, Tony Kare Bambara's um, The Salt Eaters, you know, Are You Sure You Want to Be Well? Mm. That said stuck with me forever and ever and ever because that's the crux of it. Are you sure you want to be well? Because we say we want to be well, but it takes work. And in that book, she's talking about, and this is from organizers because we, as an organizer, the idea is that when you're doing this work in community, you do it till you drop dead. You give all of yourself. You take nothing back because it's for the good of the community. But if we think back to the civil rights movement before the 60s even, it wasn't that. We supported each other. We made room for each other. We, we made space for each other to, to sleep, to eat, to have some respite, to go back into the community to, to go back to the struggle. That's the reclamation, that's what's revolutionary. That it's not till you have no more. It's not till you burn out. So that same mindset, how do we apply it? That in making a decision, making a conscious decision to be well and making taking those steps, doing what we need to do, especially now in the face of the struggle that we're in now whether it's our community losing losing your job, worrying about where you're gonna live, worrying about being able to get enough food, how to stay safe. What steps can we do now to be well for ourselves? What do we need to do? What can we do financially? I am hurting for the folks who have, who have no income right now. So what can we do? How do we take care of ourselves so then we can be there for them? And think about it on the, when you're on a flight, you have to put that mask on first before you put it on your child. Over and over and over again, if you don't take care of yourself, you won't be here to take care of the next person or the next generation. So what, how do you do that? And for me, it is about, and I've also read Octavia Butler, so I'm always gotta, I always gotta be ready for everything to implode. That's just me. So <laughs> I want, I gotta make sure that I can stay mobile in case I have to go on some kind of long march, right? <laughs> you know, like the only thing missing is I need a house with a garden so I can grow things or build things, you know, so um, the, it's the parable of the sower, right? So are we there? How do we, now, how do we get this out to more people? That we have this ability, that we can do, we have the ability, our own selves, wherever we are, to take the time to be well, to make the decision to be well. What does it take? What do you need to really think about that? What do you need? because there's all kinds of planning that you can do. You can set your alarm to get up at a certain time. You can work out before, work it out before you go to bed works too. You, you know, may not get the endorphin rush from the morning, but you'll sleep like a baby. And maybe you need to do that because maybe you need a good night's sleep. Um, it's thinking about what do you need? What does your body need? Your body is telling you to take a moment, whatever you need to do. It's hard to listen if you're not used to it. It's really hard. You're not sure what it's saying. So it takes practice. So I, I say be easy with yourself right now. 
be really gentle and easy. If you've never done this before, take your time. Pace yourself. And Michelle, when you're thinking and you're talking about all the things you want to do, this is not the time to start your 5511 projects. <laughs> it is not. You're at your head racing ahead of everything, trying to deal with the stress and the panic. Just get your, find what's normal for you now. If you can do your regular routine, do it. I was reading an article about um, when you're working with children at home, they're on a different schedule. That the school schedule that they do is really not normal to, to what how children would grow and develop. It's about, you know, an industrialized society that they go to school at this time and sit in the class and come home and we go to work at this time. So now you have a chance to wake up as a, you know, with yourself. If it's you with yourself, you still have to get things done. You get up at a time that works for you. You start your day in a way that works for you. You forgive yourself because you didn't jump on the first thing as soon as you opened your eyes. Let your eyes open. Try it over the weekend. Let your eyes open naturally without an alarm. Mm-hmm. Take a stretch while you're laying in bed. A really nice stretch. And get up slowly. And just sit. Look around the room. Take it in. I, oh, I don't have to rush anywhere right now. What does that mean? What does that feel like? Experience it. You know, it's interesting. Mo- mm-hmm. I have given, like, um, during this period of time, I had a friend who was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I said, well, and she's always asking me about books, so I dropped her off a few books. And she said, you know, she had forgotten the pleasure of just not having to do anything but to sort of sit there and to open up a book and read. And she said, this is so nice. She said, I had forgotten about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm reminded uh, of that, too, because we spend so much time on on our computers. Uh, that, And even with my wife, and she she's very clear. She gets up in the morning. She's working from home. And it's really stressful for her because of, you know, work coordinating people being in and out of the office and having what they need. So it's doubly stressful for her. But she knows how to work from home. So working from home isn't new. It's just, you know, dealing with the extra on top of her regular job. But when she's done, she's done. When she's done, she's done. I was the one that would keep going through the night and, and like, nope, when you're done, you're done. If you if you have to work from home, know your work hours. If you don't have to commute, you've got extra time. You've got extra time. Whether it whether it's public transportation or driving, just extra time. You can sleep in a little bit, or you can you, you can get up slowly and set an intention for the day. A really small one, like you know what, I'm gonna focus on myself for the next 15 minutes. That's all. Hmm. We're not going to, we're not going to get our hair done. We're not going to get our nails done. How much time did that take to go do that? But when we were teenagers, we did our own hair. So how did we do that? 
Yeah. Or in our twenties before. So we're back to that. So what if I gave myself a pedicure? Not a fancy. You just sit on the side of the tub. Look at, oh wait, did you just pamper yourself? So it's rethinking the things, like the reading. Oh wait, you took time for yourself when you're sitting and reading. So it's thinking, it's looking at what we're used to doing and maybe a little shift in how we approach it or how we look at it. Um, and I, I will say that we have, when we're used to operating in a certain way, it's been um, pretty much like it's been, the city's been, New York City's kind of been out of it for like 10 days now. And it's, it's not loosening up if things are getting tighter. And so we're still adjusting. So give yourself the time to adjust. So I feel like overall, in terms of health and wellness, it's giving ourselves time to adjust. I mean, we don't know, we're in limbo right now, I granted. So every day can feel different. What's the constant for you? I can get up and I can move. I can go for a walk. And if it's not something, if you are disabled, what can I do? I can listen to music that I wouldn't have listened to. What's, what is that movement? What do you, what, what is it that puts you in that space of centering and intention? That's maybe what some of us have the time, and it might be a luxury for some folks. We have the time to do now. Mm-hmm. And because of how long this could possibly be, it's not like going on vacation and relaxing and coming back and jumping right in, where now you're, it's, it's a, that's a culture shock in and of itself. We're adapting. You know, I think the other thing that you talked about and what what I've heard, I mean, like I've interviewed like some people who identify clearly as millennials and they talk about having that freedom to not have to like punch in it. It doesn't mean that they're not disciplined by old school terms, but that that ability to work as they feel and more comfortable. And I know I, I have another friend who who was the first one to tell me like, well, when she took a job, in a space where she knew she was in the minority that she negotiated that she needed mental health days because just the stress of going into this basically white space and that was on her and you know so I and like how you said how young people are sort of like thinking back and it has allowed me to sort of like think about is I listen to people who say, well, you know, I don't know if I'm disciplined enough to work from home. Well, you know, you don't have to punch a clock. You know, you're at home, just get it done, you know? I mean, no one is asking you to. And I think that that's, that's one of the things that I'm hoping that we come out of when we go back to these jobs that people will, will talk about. 
well, what's more important, more time off or more money? Um, being able to work from home, more flexibility, and being able to, to make that time to do for ourselves. Absolutely. And when you said that, I because I know that there are um, smaller nonprofits that build in mental health days into the time off, right? So you're allowed, like you're allowed the holidays, the vacation, birthdays, sick days, and mental health days. And that you can take a mental health day without anybody asking what's going on. It's your day, you're, you talk to your supervisor, whoever, I need a mental health day, okay, fine. And that is coming from millennials. The other thing that my niece is a millennial is like um, the flexibility of working from home, right? Having that flexibility that there is, so that's the first generation I think growing up with devices as much. Like she, when she's in her 30s, it was one kind of cell phone to the next, to the next, to the next. This generation now, I'm not even talking about generation um, Z, but the one, what my nephew's a part of, that's even, who knows where they're gonna be. But there's also the reality that the millennials face a, a, a level of insecurity in terms of what is my job going to be? Do I, am I going to go to a job? So, you know, like, so when we were coming up, you get a job, you stay there for life, that was your job, and that's not true for them. They're, the job's not there. The job's not there like that. Mm-hmm. So it's the being able to move around, being able to negotiate, being able to say what, learning how to say what it is they want. That is something, that I think that's a gift that they've given us that we've kind of looked at, because what you said is absolutely true, that um, especially older ones, because I'm a boomer, and I, I bristled at that when I was in my 20s, so I can only imagine, right? I can't imagine what it's like to be told you have to find that job and stick to it. It drove my mother crazy that I would leave jobs. Like, oh, no, it's not, I've, I've outgrown it, gotta go. Like, why can't you stay in one place? because it's not working for me. But I was not doing what other people my age were doing, which was finding the job and staying there. So I understand that, but there's a reality that there are less jobs available for them. So they've had to become job creators. They've had to figure out how to make a living outside of a corporate job. And Doing that, I think, has given has given them the skills to be much more flexible in a changing job market, uh, and understanding that they need this time. So, like Adrienne Marie Brown, who it has um, in writing in her books, bringing back whole bodied, mm-hmm. um, a full body, whole body uh, perspective to organizing. Um, and other folks that I know, like we have um, here in New York, we've got um, folks doing work, spiritual and holistic work, that is very much rooted in who we are and talking about a holistic kind of wellness that's not about being vegan. It's about how I care for myself fully and completely. Where I, where I work, how I work, what is the work that I do? And not just meaning for my community, does it have meaning for me? 
this is part of my wellness. So on one hand, it, it's yes, it's revolutionary. And what the conference, one of the things the conference wanted to do was talk about that reconnection to what happened with black communities in the 60s when we were discovering, you know, we, we were discovering who we are in terms of our connection to um, countries in Africa, but also looking at what are the foods that we eat? It was all under the radar for white folks, but we had it in our communities. What are the foods that we eat? How do we clothe ourselves? How do we take care of ourselves? Um, the Panthers were a, a model for taking care of ourselves in our own community. So, and you know, I still think we needed both movements, Black Power Movement, Civil Rights Movement. We needed all the movements. But I feel like there is a reconnection to taking care of ourselves as we take care of our communities and making sure that we are well. Mm -hmm. And that we take care of the people who are not well in a very real way to help yeah. them get well. That's what's revolutionary for me, for those of us with a different indoctrination because of this culture, this society, that we take care of people we take care of each other so that we are all well. Yeah, it just makes me, you know, really curious as to, you know, just as you're mentioning about this unique time that is indefinite in which we're able to just uh, remain inwards and, you know, dedicate time for self-care, like, you know, what will be the lessons as a society, not only within ourselves as individuals or our local community, but, you know, will society learn from this time? Will our, you know, will, will there be government reforms? And, you know, it just makes me really curious about what will come out of all this whenever it is over. <laughs> yeah, I'm, cur I'm curious as well. I am curious as well because what I love about our community, especially our our um, black and people of color progressive communities, that we are not letting go of the things that are important, and that we recognize who is struggling. Who is struggling in this moment are the same people that have been struggling. Yeah, and how do we support them? You know, what, what can we do to support them? Because there are people who are not working. When the fast food restaurants, regardless of how we might feel about the food, when they employ us and now they're closed, are they taking care of their employees or are now people unemployed? Will people be able to pay their rent or is there going to be a moratorium on rent? We need something across the board. From city to city and state to state does not protect us. Mm-hmm. What's going, what, and what is going to stay? Are these things, because they will call them temporary measures, how do we make them permanent? We can hope, but we know we have to do more than hope. So I would love to see, um, see this become permanent. I think we can wipe out student loan debt. That would be great. Um, <laughs> many of us are carrying that, uh, that burden 
Uh, there are moratoriums in New York State on um, mortgage payments. There are you know, on evictions, but not every state, not every country is doing that. There are people in other countries that are being evicted mm-hmm. like a, a, for non-payment of rent, and they can't afford. They don't have. They're not working. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that folks figure out how we still have an election because I don't want that to get postponed. I really don't. I, I mean, so there's so many unknowns and you mm-hmm. brought up you brought up a lot of, of food for thought to, and to keep, keep having these conversations so that we're not just, I think that's also well, that in this moment, in this time of crisis, that we're still thinking about our most vulnerable populations. So this is also, the wellness is also taking care of our most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, because I know if, if you don't have wellness for your community, if you don't have wellness for your community, you know, so if I can walk and feel good, but if somebody who works at a fast food place is displaced, you know, the kids aren't getting their food, the, the two meals that they're getting through schools. My community isn't well. And those stressors that are there are going to continue to affect me. You know, I mean, so we have to heal our ourselves and our community. Mm-hmm. I thought, mm-hmm. it, you know, yeah. I thought it was interesting that you brought up Adrian Marie Brown, because I, when you were talking about something, I was thinking about Adrian and and her book, Pleasure Activism. And it is a talk about and, you know, and I've, I've had an opportunity to work with her and to talk with her. And she talks about, you know, and when she put when you listen to her talking, she talks about how can we think about it, it settling for anything less than a fulfilling life? And if if we put that in the broader perspective you know, and how are we fulfilled? How are we healthy? How are we taking care of our bodies so that we are able to live longer? Um, how are we feeding ourselves and feeding our neighbors? And, and you know, all these things that you see that coming out, like community gardening, walking along mm-hmm. saying hello to someone, you know, making those connections, which often in the communities of color, I would say black, particularly black and brown communities, we knew each other. We looked out for each other. And getting back to that, you know, that's important. It's so important. The fact that, you know, some people didn't care about people not having water until this came, this virus came in, and then the city of Detroit says, oh, well, we're not going to cut people's water off. There are people who are living without water, you know, and we should be thinking about this. We should be thinking about all of these things as the wellness of not only ourselves, our communities, and, you know, our culture. Mm-hmm. That's, that's absolutely true. And um, I think depending, yes, when our communities were in, we were all in the vicinity of each other, that was how community, how we understood community. As we, as with desegregation and we moved out, our communities started looking different. It may not necessarily be in your in their direct vicinity, but it may be like in New York, I'm in the Bronx, somebody's in Brooklyn, so we have built community in different ways. But this is taking us back to building in a community in the immediate area. 
so we get to know each other, we get to know our neighbors. Um, and there is one person in my building that we call the mayor of the building has been doing things to get people together. Mm-hmm. And it's been really, and she's been holding things in the lobby or, you know, doing things. She created a group on Instagram, which is amazing, right? Because there's been a lot of new people in the building and this is how we get to know each other. So even when, you know, like I can say, oh, you know, um, does anybody know if this store is open? I need to get over there. And like, oh, I didn't know. Let me know what you see when you go. And I was like, oh, this is what I found when I, so we're talking to each other. Somebody says, well, does somebody have uh, a jumper cable? Or, well, we have jumper cables. So we can't be, we can't, you know, connect in real time right now. You know, we can't all go down to the lobby, but we're figuring out ways. Um, and I'm gonna, and what I have to say is us being able to do that, that's a privilege. Mm-hmm. I wanna be real clear that some of these things that we're talking about connecting are privileges. We want these to just be rights that people can connect this way, but right now, as we're isolated, we have to look out for those who are isolated and alone. Someone else posted, there's another part in, in this as we're talking about community wellness, is domestic violence in this time of isolation that for children living in abusive households, school was respite. For um, people living in domestic violence situations, work or somebody leaving the house was respite. And they don't have that now. What do we do? What can we put out? And so what I'm seeing on Facebook is people putting out, you know, places people can call because they can't leave. Right now, they can't leave, and making a call could be dangerous. Yeah. So how do we, how do we continue to look out for each other? We, you know, I mean, some communities were good about holding um, the person, the abuser, accountable, and some communities weren't. Our own communities, you know, like many times, we're like, we're not going to worry about that. Somebody else's household. We're not going to step in. We can hear what's happening, but we're not going to step in. And sometimes we did. It all depended on how our our community, how long we knew each other, what type of community we had. But how do we continue to to support each other? You know, how do we figure out knowing that some of us have the privilege to be online, to be on a computer, and some of us don't? Some of us... um, there's so many, there's young people who may not have computers in their household. Even the, the, the um, in terms of schools being closed, figuring out what they can do on their phones because there's a better, greater chance that there's gonna be at least one phone in that one cell phone in that household where there may not be a computer so they can get their schoolwork done. Oh, you figured this out now in a minute? You're gonna, Wait, now you figured it? No, you've known this all along. This is the kind of stuff that's coming up. This is the kind of stuff that I think we have to um, support those that do this type of work in the community, that we continue to support them in figuring out new ways to make things accessible. To me, that's also a part of wellness. It's not just... Right, so, you know, being, being, uh, having that full body, being able, having that joy, having that pleasure, having a full life, that's a right. 
how do we continue to make that a right for everyone? And this can be this can be a conversation that goes on forever and ever and ever. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. Well, what I um, I you know, Kim, I wanna thank you for being with us tonight. And you know, there is that spirit rising. I mean, you do hear people who are doing it. I look at you know you. I look at Kizzy, who is a young mother who makes some of her own products and who's figuring all of this out. I mean, and together, I think that we are going to find a new way for it will hopefully be a better way, you know? And and I'm reminded of a couple weeks ago, I had um, Dree Cooper on who considers herself a hood feminist. And I I think that one of the things that I liked what she said is, you know, because people go like, what's a hood feminist? But that's kind of what we're talking about, people who care about our community. And she was saying how she cares about people who are of color, non-binary, ghetto, ratchet, homeless, disabled, <laughs> mentally ill, trans, the people who do hair out of their homes, cook fish on Friday for sale sex workers, and those fixing cars in their garage. She says, we accept all of these people. And we have to find a way for all of these people and those of us who, who don't fit into that, but who to recognize our privilege and the privilege that others don't have and lift each other up as a community. Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. That so so true I think that's where I started from um, as a teenager when I said I was I wanted to go to FIT I wanted to because why couldn't our own community have like high design clothes why do we have to go downtown I mean I was a teenager thinking that you know and, and it's that we can have everything we need right here for us we don't have to go somewhere else to have the so-called good things Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that, and I think it is inclusive. We have to be inclusive. We have to have space for everyone. Yes. Because that's what community is. That's what makes us a community. That's what keeps us connected. I love that. Oh, she, she, uh, she's amazing. I hope that we can continue this conversation. Um, you both have yoga. We didn't really get into yoga. But we can we can talk amongst ourselves. Um, Kizzy, any closing thoughts? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you so much for, for Michelle. Thank you so much for this. Well, I am. I'm glad. Always glad to talk to you. And I think that it's important that we we put a different you know things in people's mind to think about while we have a captive audience, you know. I mean, so many of us are at home and and sitting and thinking and to not let your mind spin about the worst case scenario, but what is today's scenario and how do we make it better? We want to thank our guest, health and wellness advocate and transformational coach, Kim Ford, in these challenging times of social distancing. Staying at home in isolation while dealing with the realities of a COVID-19 epidemic, she reminds us that there is hope and that we already have everything we need to get to live with power, purpose, clarity, 
and intention. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of a show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshair of their intersectionality, and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.